Well, say what you will about the great litany that began our service, um, but it's thorough. (laughs) And it sets the tone for the season of Lent, this season of the church year where we face our own sin and mortality. Sin and death are not particularly popular or cheerful topics. Most of us feel enough guilt and fear already We don't really need the church to add an extra layer. And so I always struggle a little bit on Ash Wednesday, spending the whole day putting dust on the foreheads of people that I care about, faces full of hope and promise, saying, remember that you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Remember that you're flawed, and one day you'll die. And then this year... It got even harder when a friend came by with her beautiful new baby girl. The sweet, gorgeous little person, her whole life ahead of her. And my friend wanted me to impose ashes on the baby. And I think she could tell I wasn't excited to do it. I didn't think that I could look her in the face and say, remember that you are dust. And my friend looked at me and she, and she said, I want you to do this because I want her to grow up knowing that she won't live forever, and that she doesn't have to be perfect. I want her to grow up knowing that she won't live forever, and she doesn't have to be perfect. That's as good a summary of the Christian doctrine of sin as I've ever heard. And what a wonderful thing to want for your child, to want her to always know that life is short and precious, to want to free her from the burden of being perfect herself, the burden of expecting other people to be perfect. We don't live forever. We don't have to be perfect. That is what we believe as Christians about sin. And at its core, it's not meant to be a source of guilt or crushing depression. Our talk of sin and repentance is meant to lead to freedom. But in the world we live in, sin and death are radically countercultural ideas. Because we live in a culture that's in denial about some basic human realities. So much of the media we consume, the movies and TV shows and social media, all of them tell us that we should be confident and happy because we're really great. We're told that we can do anything, be anything, and that everything can be fixed with extra effort and attention. And I think there's an extra layer of this in Marin where we look around and we see such great physical beauty, and we're surrounded by people who, on the outside at least, always seem to be happy and on top of everything. And it makes it all the more easy to buy into the narrative that everything has to be great all the time or we're doing something wrong. And that if things aren't perfect, we just need to work harder. It's easier to buy into this idea that we can perfect ourselves by our own efforts. And on one level, this focus on self-esteem and hard work is great. Christianity teaches us that we are beloved children of God, made in God's image, capable of more than we can imagine. But in our heart of hearts, I think we know that that's not the whole story. Life isn't always great. People get sick. 
There's depression, there's mental illness, there's addiction. There are all kinds of problems that resist optimism and hard work. You only have to read the newspaper to know that there's something very broken in our world and everything's not okay. And in the rare moments that we look into our own hearts with honesty, we catch a glimpse of that dark and broken thing. But because we're pressured to pretend that everything's okay all the time, when we come face to face with our own brokenness, we feel very alone. We also live in a culture that denies death. If we talk about it at all, it's in sort of hushed voices using euphemisms. We don't really talk about it, we don't prepare for it, we don't think about it. And so the people that are dealing with it often feel very alone. We live in a culture that avoids talking about human limits, about death. And so we're left feeling that failure is shameful and embarrassing. When really, sin and death are just facts of human life, since Adam and Eve. That's the power of our story from Genesis today, the reminder that our failures are not unique. Adam and Eve's story is meant to be the story of a representative man and woman, the story of every human person. And it's a story of good intentions and a story of weakness. Adam and Eve are given everything, intimacy with God, love for one another, the beautiful garden to live in, fruit from every tree in the garden except one. But there's something in them that drives them to be fascinated by the one thing they can't have. And their story is our story. Adam and Eve are beloved children of God just as we are. They're capable of so much. They desire, they're drawn to God. But there's also a small part of them that rebels against the God that they love, the God that they depend on. And there's that small part of them that's capable of hurt and destruction. And if we're honest with ourselves, we can see that potential for betrayal inside us. It's freeing to read this story and to be reminded that we are not uniquely messed up. It's human. It's good to have that acknowledged, to not have to pretend. The gift of Lent, the gift of the Christian understanding of sin, is that it gives us a chance to speak the truth. We're not perfect, and one day we will die. And we're not unique or alone in these things. We're fragile, we can be hurt, and we can hurt others, sometimes on purpose. And it's freeing to not have to deny that. It's always freeing to realize that sin is just part of the human condition, that it's always been. But this is not the whole story of the Christian understanding of sin. For us as Christians, this acknowledgement of our brokenness, of our need for help, isn't an end in itself. We aren't supposed to spend all our time feeling overwhelmed by guilt and meditating on the fact that we're miserable sinners. That doesn't help us, doesn't help anyone else, it certainly doesn't help God. Rather, acknowledging our sin is meant not to be an end, but to be a beginning, the starting point for God's work in us, the moment where we realize or realize again or realize again, that we need God. It's the point where we let God in, the point where we give God permission to love us 
and to help us to change and grow. It's the moment where we invite God to refresh and to renew us. In the same way, the story of Adam and Eve in Genesis is not meant to be the last word on human beings and what they're like. It's just the starting point of the story, the starting point of a larger story of God's work and God's love and God's transformation. Yes, we are sinful. We are limited. And there's nothing to be ashamed of in that. Our limits remind us of how much we need God and how much we need other people. Alone, we're not perfect and we'll die. But with God's help, there's so much more to the story. There is new life, there's growth, there's change, there's adventure, there's freedom. Our sin is just the starting point for God's work in us. So we can acknowledge it. We can know that we're not alone and we can open ourselves to God's goodness and God's grace. Amen.